Hi folks, thanks for joining us for part three of our Currents series. Our series is called Currents. We're looking at faith and culture. It's a series inspired by the book of Judges, by the theme of the book of Judges, which tells the story of how God's people kept getting drawn in to the patterns of the culture in which they lived. So we're asking the question, what are some of the key currents of our culture that pull us away from God and God's purpose? Romans 12.2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So what are these patterns? What are these ruts that we can automatically get drawn into? Well, I want to address today one that has actually been very pertinent for me down through the years. It's been noted in many different ways down through the centuries that life inevitably involves a kind of struggle between people or groups of people, a struggle for preeminence, recognition, power, or however we want to define the goal. It's been construed in Darwinist terms as a kind of survival of the fittest competition. Uh, The German philosopher Nietzsche spoke of the will to power driving everything. Marx spoke, and that's Karl Marx, not Groucho Marx. Marx spoke of class struggle underlying everything. And though we wouldn't agree with the worldview of these guys, indeed, life actually is in its present fallen state, life actually looks very much like an endless process of conflict. The difference with us as Christians is that we don't affirm this situation, we lament it. We're not offering just another way of winning the struggle. No, we're actually suggesting that we need to get out of the struggle. In fact, we're exhorting people to move out of the struggle to a different way of living. But Nietzsche was right about the will to power. It's just that we would call it the sin nature. Jeremiah, the prophet, sums it up when he says in 17 verse, Jeremiah 17 verse 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? What he means is there's a kind of irrationality now to the human heart seems to be driven by these irrational urges to win, 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 and everyone's fighting against everyone. And though God forgives us for our sins through Jesus Christ and fills us with his spirit, there nevertheless remains within us to some extent a propensity that we need to continually counteract, sometimes referred to in the Bible as the flesh, the flesh nature. And we're called to live according to the spirit and not according to the flesh, implying that there is this constant temptation to yield to this negative propensity within us. John the Apostle says in 1 John uh, 1 verse 8, if we claim, he says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. All this means that as Christians, we should be continually and constructively self-critical and self-suspicious in a way, not despairing, but allowing God's Spirit to bring 
our faults, this propensity to light where, where it is dominating our lives. This is why it's good to reflect on these aspects of our sin nature that drag us down. It's not so that we wallow, it's so that we can break free, which we can do through Jesus Christ and by the Holy Spirit. So back to this struggle. It's important for us to recognise within ourselves this deeply embedded propensity to want to enter this world power competition and win. It's this deeply embedded, what I'm going to call belligerence. Now, um, let me give you a dictionary definition of the word belligerence because I'm going to use this word uh, a little bit today. Belligerence means, according to the dictionary, a warlike or aggressively hostile nature, condition or attitude. Well, that's kind of world history right there. That's human nature looks a lot like that when you look at world history. So in other words, we have to work very hard to go against this and opt for the way of Jesus who said in Mark 9.35, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. To the Jewish people who wanted to rise up against the unjust rule of the Roman occupiers, Jesus said, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. Like don't play their game. Don't play their competition. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand your coat to them as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Don't play their game. Don't try to win that fight. It's so counterintuitive for us. And unfortunately, history is full of examples of Christians trying to justify their natural belligerence. And that's what Jesus essentially is concerned there in Matthew chapter 5. Now, it's some ways it's natural. And I just, for a moment, I want to speak to our present situation. I'm going to move on to this. I've got a great picture to share with you. But in some ways, it's very natural in the present situation that many people have wanted to jump to resistive action. I get that. Of course, that's going to happen when we're all sick and tired of restrictions and lockdowns. And I'm not interested in arguing uh, for or against government policy as much as I'm concerned with our attitudes in the midst of all of this. That's what I want to speak to. It's natural and understandable that we would get distressed and angry, but we need to recognise that that's often when this natural belligerence begins to surface. Okay, but let's not be too quick to justify that belligerence spiritually. Now, you might say, no, 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 this isn't natural belligerence. This is righteous indignation. Okay, good. But can I suggest that you exercise a healthy level of self-suspicion. It's actually much more constructive when we recognise these negative propensities in ourselves. As I said, this natural belligerence. I tell you, the pressure of the last couple of years has drawn out plenty of dysfunction in my life. And I've been able to deal with that. And it's actually been revelatory. I feel released by a whole lot of things that I probably wouldn't have seen before if it wasn't for this pressure. Anyway, that's not, it's, it's related, but not directly what I want to talk uh, about today, but worth a mention. 
What I want to do today is have us reflect on where we might be getting drawn into this competitive culture to our detriment. I'm not talking about healthy, you know, uh, fun competition as in sport and so forth. I'm talking about this competitive culture that we often get drawn into to our detriment. And I want to share a picture with you that has lately been really quite revelatory for me. It's one that God has used uh, over the years to liberate me in many different ways. I see life as being like a race. I want you to imagine a race, a really crowd, like those crowded marathon races with heaps of people bustling and getting ahead. I want you to imagine life as a race like that. Now, before I continue, I don't want you to confuse this with the way that the Apostle Paul uses his race metaphor. Paul speaks of running the good race to illustrate that life is a goal-focused activity and we need to stay focused on the goal. I'm using the metaphor in a completely uh, different way. I'm talking about the worldly race, the rat race, as it's sometimes called. So imagine this race like a crowded marathon and people are running and jostling and elbowing each other and you're kind of getting pushed along from the back and getting a bit tripped over and and the whole thing is a bit chaotic and everyone's pushing to get ahead and and you know I'm looking at that person oh he's in front of me oh but at least that person's behind me and I definitely want to make sure I get ahead of that person and I feel envious of that it's like this kind of internal and external chaos right because you're in the midst of this loud noisy race and mud's being kicked up and you're trying to get ahead and you're jostling right so imagine that everyone trying to get ahead of everyone for the limited number of prizes on offer now you might think that this is a bit negative, Matt. This is a bit of a negative view uh, of the way that the world is. And I, I, I get that. But let me explain. I mean, there's lots of great things happening. I don't want to be overly negative. But let me explain this. This scenario is necessarily going to be the case when we cease to measure our lives by God's standard and we begin to measure our lives by each other. And then it actually matters, am I ahead of this person or behind that? If that's, my, if that's my measure, if I can only feel good about myself by measuring myself by other people, then that's naturally going to be what we get, the rat race. What purpose do we serve when we abandon God's purpose? Well, naturally, we will then serve our own purposes, And then you serve your purpose and I serve my purpose. And it's inevitable that our purposes are going to clash at some point and then compete. And so again, we get the rat race. Now, God doesn't like the rat race. People get hurt in the rat race. The rat race diminishes human identity greatly. God doesn't like what's going on and he doesn't want us to like it, let alone enter it and compete in it. This is why the Apostle John says in 1 John chapter 2 from verse 15, do not love the world or the things in the world. Like don't go after those prizes. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Like what are you competing for? What are you going for? For the worldly goals or to walk with God? 
For all that is in the world, he says in verse 16, the desires of the flesh, there it is, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does does the will of God abides forever. So imagine this crowded race, people jostling, competing to be better than each other. You know what it feels like. Now, if you are in this race, it's only because the race is first in you. And to get out of the race, you have to get the race out of you. It's this compulsion to achieve and compete and win. You experience it as envy, as jealousy. When you look at that person and you think, I want to be like, you know, it's the resentment that says, I should be getting that recognition, not them. I should be there, not them. And, you know, it can push you and you can try and, and, well, I'm going to just try and beat them. I'm going to show them. And it's all about how we relate to the people around us. And when they beat us, we feel bad about us. We feel hopeless. And so we have this drive. I've got to be noticed more. I've got to be credited more. I need to get ahead of these others. And I resent them for getting in my way. That person's getting in my way. And I want to be the best in my field. I must never fall behind. I've got to be the best. I've got to show them what I'm worth. And I feel jealous when I see other people's achievements. I can't celebrate. This is what this feels like the race when it's in you. I can't celebrate another person's achievements because I'm too busy comparing myself to the other person and getting jealous. Well, I should be up there. I could do that better. For some, it spurs them on to an exhausting life of the endless need to achieve. You jostle for the leading positions. You want to get the awards, the wage, the job, the acclaim. But the thing is, you always have to keep running. You never get to a point of rest. It's like a marathon, an endless marathon as long as you live. You never get to a point of rest because you have to, there's always someone behind you running up, ready to overtake you. So you've just got to keep running. And when you get to a point, well, there's always someone up ahead, isn't there? And then you've got to try and, you know, you've got there, but then I've got to get there now. And it's this endless, exhausting attempt to validate yourself by where you are in the race. And we kind of get pushed along. It's like pushed along from behind, you know. Uh, People are, it's, and that happens, you know, you can imagine that. It's like, I'm kind of, if I stopped, I just get nudged in the back and pushed along. And so I feel like I need to keep running. And we find that we're just running without even knowing what we're running for or whether we're even going in the right direction. Since I became a Christian, one of the main things that God has been doing is getting the race out of me so I can get out of the race. For some reason, I came in, uh, you know, I came into adult life with, with like this 
strong streak of achievement uh, orientation. No one's fault. It's just that's just the way. Uh, that's just the way I came in, and I wanted to be the. I wanted to do the. I wanted you know wanted to be the best. And you know when I became a Christian, uh, I kind of imp- some of that just made its way into my Christian life. I mean, for example, I, I first saw that I remember feeling such a strong and very legitimate call to serve God with music. I felt a really strong call. I was a very key musician as a, as, as a, as a, um, a teenager and, and young man, and I just felt convicted. I'm going to serve God with music. And there was a genuine sense of divine calling there and a genuine passion to serve God. And God blessed me. God used my music along the way, but there was always too much of the race in me. It was like this monster that just kept raising its head, like feeding on my contentment. You know, just when I felt content, it's like this monster would just eat up my contentment and drive me to, you know, you're going to be better than that. You're going to be the best. You're going to, you know, more success, more recognition, wider audience. And it was just this thing that robbed my peace. It was like noise. Then God called me to study. And again, you know, God blessed me and enabled me to do well. And God used that. But again, it's like, oh man, the monster kicked it. It's like devours everything good. Everything has to be like a ball in a competition. Even the good things that God called me to. It's funny, there there were times where I actually blamed the thing, where I thought I need to give up music. Oh, it's, you know, that's the problem. No, actually it was... I was the problem. I need to give up the study. No, no, that's not, it's, uh, so many people abandon their calling because the monster rises up and pushes them into the competition. No, no, we need to be wiser than that. There's something here that we need to fight and we can win in the right sort of way against that. And I'm gonna talk more about that. But there were those moments throughout throughout my life. There have been, and I'm going to refer to them as precious moments. When I would be in the race, you know, trying to get ahead. And I mean, you know, with all the legitimate stuff going on, but that part of me that was in the race and nudging and pushing to kind of get ahead. And then, you know, there there were just these moments where I would get pushed over and, and, you know, uh, feel like a failure and I would get pushed over and trampled and, I, and I'd sort of, you know, crawl out of, off to the side of the race and I'd be like sitting there, you know, covered in mud and, like, and, and you know, bleeding and, you know, nursing, uh, nursing my injured pride and, and I would sit there for a while and then after a while I would think, it's actually, it's actually very peaceful here. It's actually very quiet here, sitting here in the mud, you know, with my bleeding pride. Be a kind of peacefulness in that moment when I was knocked over, you know, down and out. And I would actually begin to hear the voice of God. God saying to me, boy, what were you doing in there? That's not what I wanted you to do. I never wanted you to run that race. That's not why I gave you those gifts. Why are you competing? Why are you using your gifts to compete in that race? Boy, get out of the race. And I would be so thankful that I got knocked over. I would be so thankful that I was sitting there 
Even though people are, you know, rushing by me saying, what are you doing, you loser, get back up. No, it's just, I, I would just realise this is a place of peace and revelation. I wonder if that's you. Maybe you're in despair, you got knocked over. Maybe you haven't become and achieved everything that you thought you should become and achieve by now. I want to tell you that you are actually very close to the truth right now. You are very close to a very important moment of revelation about the futility of the race. See, from where you are, you can hear the voice of God. It's very difficult to hear the voice of God when you're running in the race and you're trying to get ahead and it's noisy and everyone. It's, you're just not going to hear the voice of God in that place. You're going to be too busy running the race, right? But often it's when we get knocked over and pushed aside and we're sitting there in the mud and finally, you know, we actually begin to hear from God. And God says, I never expected you to be in that race. I never wanted you to run in that race. And God is saying to you today, leave the race. Now, this doesn't mean that we're leaving the world. It's just we're leaving the race. We, we're going to remain in the world, but we're not going to be part of its race. I once heard uh, a sceptic say about Christians, oh, that Christian stuff, it's all about dependency. You know, Christianity is for people that can't cope on their own. Christians, he said, Christians are just a bunch of losers. I like that. Actually, I love that. A bunch of losers. Yeah, I like that. Come and join this bunch of losers who walk quietly with God. You know why? Because it's quiet here. It's peaceful here. You're not pushed and jostled about anymore. And, you know, people will run by and they'll grab you and they'll push you occasionally and they'll say, what are you doing there, you loser? And you'll feel like you need to get back in the race But you need to say, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not going to get back in that race. No, I'm going to, I'm just going to hang here with this bunch of losers. I'm going to do my best for God's glory. And I'm just going to hang here in the peace where I walk with God. I walk with God. And I measure my life by the God who loves me, who empowers me. I'm getting out of the race. I wonder today, will you join me in an act of renunciation? Join me as I renounce the world and its race. I don't reject people. On the contrary, I want to do this because I want to love people, not compete with them. I renounce the human race so I can love human beings and build a human family. I renounce the world's race because it's caused so much suffering. 
There is so much suffering in that race as people get trampled and cast aside, people measuring themselves by others, so many people that get knocked down and trampled and think that they're useless and worthless. And that is so, so painful. I want no part in a, in a world that does that. And often people think that the way to help those people is to lift them up and to help them to get ahead in the race. That's what often people do, you know, in the name of charity. It's like pick, up, pick you up and get you back in the race and get you running again. Man, talk about out of the frying pan into the fire. The answer is not to, is not to get ahead in the race. The answer is to get out of the race. To walk with God in peace. God has put in you exactly what he wants to draw out of you for his purpose. It's not hard. It's not a matter of striving. It's just a matter of receiving from God and giving. Not competing, receiving and giving. It's the most beautiful, peaceful process And when you walk down that way and you look at the race going by, you think, why did I ever run in that race? But I think there's still a bit too much of that race in all of us, isn't there? Well, I encourage you today, Join me in this act of renunciation. You will actually flourish and do better. You will flourish and be blessed by getting out of the race. That doesn't, the race doesn't make you flourish. It is God who makes you flourish. It is receiving and giving. It is walking with God that will make you truly, truly flourish and be the best you can be, not to compare to other people, but to be the person that God has uniquely called you to be because he has a specific, he has, he has a, perf, a perfect and specific purpose for you, for who you are, and he's calling you into that. Life is, it's beautifully and wonderfully simple. So let's get out of the race. All you who got knocked over, if you got knocked over, if you're sitting on the, you know, sitting at the side, you got pushed aside and you're covered in mud and blood, God bless you. Come and join this bunch of losers and let's celebrate a greater win in God together as we renounce the race to take up something much, much better. And that is life in God. So, Would you join me now as I pray this prayer of renunciation and commitment? Father in heaven, today we say to you, we are sorry that we have competed with people rather than loving them. Father, we are sorry that we have wasted so much of our effort competing and running and striving and comparing ourselves to others. Father, we are sorry that we have not received and lived in your purpose more as we should have, that we've not taken up that beautiful, restful life 
that you want to draw us into. Father, forgive us. We receive your forgiveness through Jesus Christ. And we start afresh today. And we commit ourselves. We renounce the race. And we commit ourselves to walking with you, to doing only those things that you want us to do, knowing that we always have your favour. We always have your favour. No matter how badly or well we do, we have your full favour and love unchangeably in Jesus Christ. Today, we rest in that. As we come to this place, at the away from the race, speak to us. Let us know your peace and your rest and make us flourish and become all that you want us to be. For your glory, in Jesus' name.